0: Yes, we are live again. Welcome to Coach's Corner, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media at broadwaysportsmedia.com, part of our Boy sports. As you can see, we are not live at Wild Hair again, uh, but we are here at a domicile, bringing the show live to you as we will every Tuesday night. We'll figure out a way to have a beer in the future, some tailgates or something. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, But We do have a lot to talk about tonight, Jonathan. We did have a successful Titans football game this weekend, at least to, to my surprise at some point, because I picked against the Titans, right?
1: I mean, I think you can call it successful because of the end result. Uh, ultimately, though, I don't know if it was a full game yet. They're still working to get to that full game experience. Sure. So um, I think there's definitely a lot to improve on. But I think Titans fans can be happy going into Seattle. I think you've seen the stat. They were 52-0 and the, uh, when they were up 15 at home. They're now 52-1. and Pretty clearly, that's a pretty rare achievement. Now, the coach in me says, let's not make it as hard next time. Maybe uh, play the first half, too. Um, I think they gave up something like 90% of their yards on defense in five plays total. The good news is, I think that's something you can correct, and we'll get more into it. You can correct more of that going forward. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I think that there was a terrible start again. And then we talked about that in the offseason where you can't really with this team, the way they're built, you can't have those slow starts. So the games that they really uh, struggled with some of that in the past, uh, as far as, you know, the bad games last year, you knew that they had the potential of bad games. You just don't want to have them in the playoffs. So the, the fact that, um, they have this game going out there. And, of course, just to defend myself, I don't, not that I have to, but the reason I picked them to lose this game was because I thought they were going to come off a big win over Arizona at home, all the hype, and they were just going to have a big trip out there. Well, they were able to rebound, especially in the second half, which we'll get to more in a second. But, again, you can't have those slow starts, and you've got to get that stuff worked out. I know it's early. You're still trying to find some chemistry. But you've got to get those slow starts worked out because the good teams, and I'm not saying Seattle's a bad team. I think they are a good team, but there's better teams out there. And there's better teams on the schedule. And that's going to be the problem is starting slow for us the season and having to deal with that.
1: Yeah, you can't put yourself in a hole. We saw that a lot from this team last year where they had games like against Cleveland, against Pittsburgh, where they went down early and had to fight their way back to get into it. Look, they are a running team. Yes, they are going to commit to the run. Yes, they can dominate in the second half when Derrick Henry gets rolling. But I can tell you that is not a pattern that you want to stick with. That's not something that you want to have to deal with where you're always having to come from behind. So um, I do think that there were signs of life uh, from the defense. I do think there are things that they can improve on. And I think overall it is an improved defense from uh, last year. So uh, I do think this is some some reasons to be optimistic, Mm -hmm. Um, ultimately, getting a win there's a different feeling for a team to be one and one versus oh and two.
0: Oh, for sure you definitely couldn't be the um 0 and two going into this especially into your first divisional matchup in the colts and again that's a little tease for later we'll get into more about the colts later on i don't care how how bad the, the culture limping into that game that's still a divisional opponent so apologies for the pun so, but let's let's get into the game a little bit versus the Seahawks a little bit. Like we said, they had the slow start. Uh, offense seemed to have the same kind of issues with pass protection in the run game. Derrick Henry couldn't really find his footing to, to go forward. I got to get off feet, man, golly. So, right, but, Rex <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> well, it's half, half there. Joke just makes itself. So, but but it, it was, again, Derrick Henry was able to find some room later on. And, and, and kudos to Downing for not going away from it and to keep sticking with it. Uh, I will... Talk a little bit more about that, about how what I think worked in the run game and what I think they did to give the offense a chance. They came out in some of those constricted sets again. You had some some missed opportunities. A.J. with some drops today. But, again, Julio's resurgent coming in early, uh, making some big catches early on was a very refreshing thing to see for this offense.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, Julio getting involved, we talked about it after the show last week, where, you know, getting him involved early, getting him in the rhythm is something that was going to be really important. And I think as we look towards next week, that's going to be something that's very important for the Titans to do for AJ Brown. So I think that's something that, um, you know as you look and play this out changes that you can make there's definitely room for improvement on offense Mm -hmm. but the way they were able to get rolling especially getting you know the big gun and julio jones but ultimately this is an offense that was built where not all of them have to be firing on all cylinders every single game that's the reason you go get julio jones so you can have games like this win aj brown you look back to the colts game last year aj brown had the big drop early in that game and you saw how the king just kind of got away from him in this game you have another receiver you can go to and uh the game goes a little bit differently and those are two completely different games apples to oranges uh, in a sense but there is something to be said about having that you know that third weapon that is really out there and it's no indictment of Corey davis thinks a good wide receiver but as we've said he's not julio jones he's not julio jones
0: so exactly. But, you know, so to your point, it's nice to have that extra weapon, that extra. And then that frees up some of the guys on the inside. As you could see, there were some big catches. Uh, Michael Pruitt was able to chip in this game as well. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff out there as well. I mean, I know that we had some post-game stuff about some big catches. Um, I think uh, – you have those things. Obviously, there's some blown coverages on the defense, That the Seattle Seahawks had some some bigger plays from those, but you have Julio Jones coming out for 6, 128 yards, Derek Henry chipping in in the past game as well. I mean, those things are all positive signs for this offense in my opinion. It shows the versatil- versatility they could have there, and, and- one of the more exciting plays that I think, not just the outside zone or when when on the wine back when Derrick Henry is able to cut back and outrun people half his size, is those screens because there's just this electricity. You see all these big boys out in front, and and Derrick Henry really working up steam to get down the field, anything can happen there. So I, I have a prediction that they're going to score on a couple of screen passes this year to Derrick Henry if they keep up this, this balance and, and how they're going to go to him. They haven't always used that in the past. They haven't been as successful in the screen game. But early on, they're showing some signs of life in that department, and that just gives you another wrinkle that can make you successful.
1: Yeah, I think getting him in the pass game is something that we've talked about for years is kind of a limiting element. The whole reason that there's a conversation about who is the best running back in the NFL is, uh, well, Derrick Henry's the best pure running back, but you have Christian McCaffrey, you have Alvin Kamara, and I do not do not think he's a guy you're going to line up in the slot and run you know a bunch of different routes with, but if he can just add consistency in that checkdown game, because look, you've seen it from teams, they're respecting the Titans pass game in the sense... On those, pa- on those plays, they're dropping too deep because they don't want to leave that single high safety. So what generally is going to happen there is as they drop deep, it's going to leave those check downs open in a lot of cases. So there's going to be opportunities for that. There were multiple opportunities for the check down to the tight end in this game. That is something that I think you'll probably see a little bit more of where getting a guy like Tommy Hudson or maybe my new favorite player on the Titans just because of the way he plays the game. I love it. Michael Pruitt. Yep. The, the guy looks like he's running in cement every time he catches the ball, <laughs> but, but he does it, something it, with it, man, he, man. He he, the way he plays and he definitely brought some energy to that game. So I do think those underneath routes, people can start calling Tannehill the, the check down guy. But it, it, you take what the offense is giving you. You know, you never go broke taking a profit. I mean, right. That's And That's a very old saying in football, but there's something to be said about it. Take it's, what's there. Exactly. Exactly. exactly.
0: And I see the comment here, Tori, you're exactly right. Derrick Henry did score on one screen pass two years ago, 75 yards versus Cleason Brown or somewhere around that was a big play. And that's what we're talking about is they can get that, if they can get that more into the the system, you have that to go to as well because there were a bunch of un, uh, you know unsuccessful or failure screens in the past due to blocking or for whatever reason, and, and and that's just, they went away from it last year. This year they've gone to it a little more, so it's very exciting to see that, especially because you know, they, what you saw in Cleveland, that can happen. That's what I'm talking about, that big play. So that's a great point by Torrey. Yes, that's what they're capable of. And if you can get that going again, that is an easy win for the offense, especially when you have an offense that may be struggling in some pass protection. And this offensive line as well, struggling the run. And what I'd like to go to next here is the run game. It came alive. And that is that is going to be every all the shiny toys, receiver, everything. This offense is really going to be humming when they use – Whatever they have at their disposal to set up the run and to run successfully. Cause if they're running successfully, they're they're giving their defense adequate rest. Because well, let's not, you know, tell stories on this. Let's not lie. This isn't an elite defense. It's a capable defense, as we're finding out, very capable. But they need their rest. They need. They don't need short fields, and that's that's true for any defense in the NFL or, or in any level of football. You can't constantly give up short fields, so you can't you can't constantly constantly be on the field. So getting this running game going again for the Titans, and it wasn't just it, there was a couple where Derrick Henry just out-athleted people and was able to cut back and, and cut away from some of those things. Those are some big runs. But there was a lot of those five, six, seven yard runs that you're accustomed to seeing that that do two things. A it it, it punches a gut. I, don't, I those big runs are 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 just absolutely terrifying for defense. I get it, but those, those gut punches, those seven-yard gains when it should be a three-yard gain, not only is a just a downer to the defense, but it also keeps your offense ahead of the sticks, and we talk about that all the time, about how this Titans offense has to stay in front of the sticks. It can't be behind schedule. And having this run game come back up is a big positive step in that direction.
1: Well, and one of the things we talked about last year is whenever we'd say, hey, bring pressure on the quarterback on defense. And if you're going to give up a big play, at least they score quickly because then you get back out there on offense. And trust me, as you look at how this game played out, that Seahawks defense was done. It was tired. You go back and you look at just kind of the flow of the game. The Titans ran 83 plays compared to 52 for the Seahawks. So when you talk about that, you talk about the time of possessions. Titans had it for 42 minutes. Seahawks had it for 22 So that is going to wear on a defense. So if you're giving up a big play, yes, you don't want to give up points at all. But if I'm giving up something, I'd rather have that than a 15-play drive like the Steelers game last year, where they're marching down the field. You're giving up 60 percent of your third downs, and so I know we'll talk a little bit more about the defense. But yet, the offense is going to wear on people. This is not a team that you want to have run 83 plays against you. Right.
0: It's so difficult to talk about the defense, right? Without, I mean, the offense without talking about the defense because it's a team sport. So to be successful, you have to have these things go hand in hand. So that that's that was a fantastic. Uh, showing from the offensive line, or at least I would say they started off kind of rough, obviously, with the, the pass protection leak over. I mean, that Swame again in the backside. Brewer also let some late leakage there. But again, as I said in the halftime show, uh, the tackles, Sambrello and Questenberry, were, were, I thought, very adequate in the game. Like, obviously, they had their mishaps. Sambrello was, was, uh, was, was credited with one pressure, I think. But at the same time, they had a great game. Because again, if you don't, if you, the announcers are not talking about the tackles, it's a win that's a win for an offensive line don't don't talk about me let me do my job if you don't notice me i'm good so they, they had that so that that balance coming in and obviously with Saffold uh, missing some time here and there in games the new tackles it's just going to take some time for this 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 offensive line to get their chemistry and it seems like that's coming back around quicker than i thought it was going to after the arizona performance so that's that's a positive sign as well for the titans
1: Yeah, I mean, look, offense, not a ton of questions. You started to see kind of what you expected out of this. Now, I don't think they're going to be in a position against certain teams to, uh, you know, give 35 carries to Derrick. Sure. They're going to commit to it, Um, but again, The thing I take away from this on the offense is they didn't play their best game, still put up 33 points, and Derrick Henry almost went for 200 yards. They still lost the turnover battle. That's something they've got to correct going forward. They've got to stop turning the ball over, especially when your defense isn't taking it away right now. And you got to stop giving up the free rushes on the quarterback. Mm -hmm. I mean, those happen from time to time. You're going to have miscommunications, especially when you're rolling a new offensive lineman. But from a pass game standpoint, I'd like to see them still get some of those quick hitting uh, passes, especially early in the game, just to get people rolling. Um, But ultimately, not a whole lot to be upset with by the offense and how they started to get things together.
0: Yeah, comments from Dom here in the chat about, about Hudson and Pruitt. I mean, Pruitt's earned some more playing time, in my opinion. Swain's a, a heck of a blocker, but when it's in run game, when he's doing what is expected of him. But when you're putting him up against pass rushers uh, done the backside leakage there, as we talked about, that was a short roll. That's just that's just asking for trouble. And some scheme has to kind of, common sense scheme has to take over at that point because the naked boots, that kind of stuff, you have to protect because that's the thing too. Any NFL team, they lose their starting quarterback, it's, they're – their season's going to go down. It's really kind of double for the Titans just because this offense really hums with an with accurate uh, quarterback who can – and that Tannehill's been throwing lasers. He's, he's on his game. I mean, he's, he's – I think, what was it, his incomplete passes were drops so he's he's not really having bad games so far th- throughout the season. So you can't afford that. So you got to clean up some of that scheme. He also states about Brewer and Cimbrella. I'd still would like to have a, a healthy Saffold and a healthy Luan. But the problem is I don't know if any of those either of those guys are healthy fully and coming back from some things. So at this point in time, this team has proven that they can win with second and third string offensive linemen. So are we fine with it? Sure, until otherwise proven different Cimbrell uh, Brewer rebounded after that as well and had a good game too so i i wouldn't mind rolling with those for now just to kind of see and get that at least get some consistency and at least not rush back your two big guys because that taylor's clearly not healthy whatever's going on the tweak in the pregame all this good stuff and everybody's down on him i, I get it. it it's fine to kind of bring some of that on himself with the way he carries himself but at the same time he is a good he is a good left tackle when healthy and i don't think he's all the way back so just got to give him time and the dealing with some stuff i think brewer can be adequate
1: Well, I think that's the that's the point you take. Right. It's that you don't have to rush guys back. I mean, there are times, especially in a season where uh, you may have a guy play hurt because you need him out there. He's better at 80 percent than the guy behind him. Right. I don't think there's any question that Saffold and Lawan, when healthy, are your best options there. That said, you don't have to rush them back. You can get by with some other guys, Um, at least in the short term. We talk about it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, This is a team that's capable of winning games with what they have right there. Get them healthy because you will need them down the stretch you will
0: need them to win a super bowl yeah and i've said this a bunch if you've got guys that are taking six weeks to get healthy it's like getting a trade mid-season if they're truly one of your your players you count on so get them healthy get them back out there because if you do if you keep rushing this you're going to have to deal with it every time wondering in pregame if they're going to be available or not and that's the other thing too is that you have to have that consistency on the offensive line and you don't want to keep the for the backups too am i starting am i not am i starting you know it's some guys can come and come in and react and some of these guys seem to do that really well but i don't i don't think you want to do that all season where it's the whole guessing game so but again with you know Ben Jones being there as we see Dom pointing out you know Nate Davis is one of my favorite offensive linemen in the league to watch he had a much better game this year or this season as well so i think you've got those two pieces in there you can kind of plug and play around for now and and of course there's going to be some games later on where you need your big boys and hopefully they can get back and get healthy
1: yeah I see in the in the chat there's one comment we don't have to talk about it right now but Kenneth on Facebook I, I see I see your comment I see about not laying an egg we're going to talk about that when we talk about the Colts here yeah little
0: bit. we'll get to that in Colts that's a great point Kenneth we'll, we'll come back to it you're kind of reading some of our, our tea leaves here so going on but let's let's finish up the Seahawks game so we got two big things we want to talk about first uh one is the refs we'll get to that Let's save that for last before we go on. maybe some
1: emotion yeah
0: there may one. be some. so we'll talk about the refs here in a second some of those calls and just kind of give our opinions on it but let's talk about the defense first we've t- spent a lot of time on the offense tonight uh the defense obviously being put in the short fields early on short field early on giving up the the couple blown coverages but as we as you stated on the halftime show outside of those two plays and that one horrendously unforgivable. My man went on the best rent rant of all time during the halftime show, go out and find that I literally reached over and muted my mic. So I wouldn't be tempted to interrupt him. It was so good.
1: I'm going to be very respectful. <laughs> I've said what I've said. And now the coach in me has completely blacked out that that drive existed.
0: Right. But I, but my point is aside from those two pretty solid day from the Titans defense.
1: Yeah. I, I keep saying it. And I know that, you know, giving up points is ultimately um, you, what you don't want to do on defense and they have given up some points, but I think as you extrapolate, you have to remember, this is still just week two and you want to extrapolate out the things that you're seeing over an entire season. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing the defense that's getting pressure on the quarterback. I'm seeing DBs that are actually competing. Now you did have the blown plays. that if you're looking at the difference between this team this year and last year, last year's team outside of a couple of examples, did not give up a ton of big plays and to, to a fault almost because you would see them, um, you know, playing off the sticks because they were so scared of getting beat over the top. I'm okay taking a little more risk. I'm okay taking those chances so that you can come up and compete with the against the receivers. Don't let them march down the field. As I talked about previously, them scoring quick, unfortunate, but I'd rather have that happen. That said, the plays that they did give up, are very correctable those shouldn't happen you you, you saw on the uh, the first one to tyler lockett where wilson went over the top and molden um collided with now former titan uh bradley McDougal there and ran into the <laughs> touchdown look lockett got away lockett got away with a little bit of a veteran move he's running a, a post route across the field at the top of his break he gets a bit of a stiff arm on molden um Veteran move, you could argue it's offensive pass interference, but it was very subtle. That's where the separation came from, but that's where they took a bad play and made it worse by missing the tackle after the catch. Those are things that you can correct, right? Those are things that you can live with, frankly, in my opinion. Um, Those are also things that could lose you games later on, but I do think those are easier to correct than say, how do you fix a team marching 15 plays down the field and consistently giving up third and 10, third and 15? What I look at is a defense that went in there and gave up thirty percent on their uh, on their third downs. That's stuff that I think is going to be more sustainable moving along in the season.
0: Yeah, and, and those blown plays aside, I also I, I kind of want to get your thoughts, and I, I I leave secondary to you. That's kind of your your ballpark. Uh, but I'm impressed with with Christian Fulton what I've seen so far in two games. I mean he's he's played and again the ghost of AJ Green, but now he took it to DK Metcalf, which people want to say is, you know, arguably better than A.G. Brown, or that's what experts like to put DK pretty high on a pedestal. I'm not. I'm just saying that he's well thought of in the league and Christian Fulton's able to go out there and not let the moment get to him. And really and again, going back, I mean, you can kind of look at this. I know his rookie season was last year, so I'm not calling this his rookie season, but this is his real first season where he's getting a lot of playing time. And he's getting a lot of this exposure to the NFL. He got some last year, but it wasn't a lot. He was he was hurt off and on, didn't get a whole lot of playing time with what you would like to have seen. And Fulton is really coming on and impressing me. And we talked about it during the show, during the weekend as well about you may have one part of your field really locked up if he looks as good and then if Farley can ever come on this could be a really dynamic defensive back combo for, for the corners for the titans
1: yeah, I think with uh, you know Fulton, I'm not sure that true shutdown corners exist in today's NFL with the way the rules are. But he's he's showing signs of being able to be a really solid corner that you right. can rely to li- to live out on an island um, to an extent. Now he's obviously still only in his second year. He's gonna get beat by some guys whenever he goes up against some of the top receivers. He's still learning on those things. Jalen Ramsey's the best corner in the game. He still has his moments that he gets beat. There's just too many things that work against defensive backs in this league right now. That said, the ability that it frees up for you to play games in the secondary with your other DBs, whenever you have a guy that you can rely on, it can't be overstated. That is, that is something that this team has not had in a very very long time, and Fulton is showing the signs of those kind of those kinds of traits. So, shutdown corner. Again, I'm skeptical to go down that road, especially in a week two of a guy's second season, but it's not, I think, I think part of, I think part of this (laughs) is that, uh, you know, the Titans and Titans fans, we have been deprived of true good corner play for so long. You're talking about, you know, the corpse of Jason McCordy running out there was probably their best corner they've had in a long time. And that's a guy that, I mean, Malcolm Butler had some. Yeah, but really I say good Malcolm plays Butler too. would probably yeah, have an I don't, argument I don't there. want to sell him short. So, but it, it's something that, you know, last year leaves a really bad taste in your mouth. So to see that kind of thing, um, it, it's really, it, it really kind of makes you optimistic about what this defense could be on the back end. And again, it lets you sort of play games. And I'm looking forward to that going into the Colts game against possibly a uh, rookie quarterback.
0: Yeah, maybe he's not shut down, but he's a he's a he looks like he's an adequate corner. And that's something I'll gladly take on one side of the field. And if you can just kind of figure it out over there on the other side, I think you're, you're gonna be pretty good, especially with Farley as what we think he's going to be. Um, so Another another nice surprise so far in the season has been, even though there has been some sacks, and maybe the pass rush isn't where everyone wants it to be with the pressures and everything, but the, the, the pass rush for the Titans is alive and well, and it's a lot more active than it was last season. That's got to be something that's comforting as well. There was a couple coverage sacks. There was a couple other big pressures on, on Russell Wilson. It uh, made it very uncomfortable. Obviously, they had a little bit of a different uh, a plan of attack against a – I don't want to say he's less mobile than Kyler Murray for Kyler Murray for sure. So that was nice to see that pass rush come out. Uh, Dupree hasn't made the impact so far, but I think what's happening is he's able to still have some of that pressure from the outside and he's turning quarterbacks attention to other places. And and some of these other guys are able to, to eat Landry's been lights out as far as that lights out. I mean, I'm using that pretty liberally, but he's been, he's been fairly impressive to watch early. And you're reminded that he is a really good football player. You have Simmons, uh, and Autry on the interior, they're able to get in tart, able to get some of that interior pressure as well. So the Titans are making this uneasy for this for opposing defenses. The running game, even though Carson had two touchdowns, they didn't, he didn't rush for a ton of yards. So they're able to kind of swallow that up and, and limit the big plays in the running game, which I think is, is what this defense is very capable of. Uh, linebackers have been active, uh, probably not where you'd want them to be, but better than last year. I will say so. I mean, there's a lot of positive steps for this this Titans defense going into the what was probably one of their worst starts across the board and to this game versus the Seahawks and to rebound like this. And I, I, I is that more to you? Is that more the players or the coordinators having a second year under the belt? Like what do you, what do you attribute some of that to when they're coming into the second game?
1: Yeah, I think you, this is where you say, you know, hey, don't lose two games because of the one loss, right? They, they managed to bounce back. And ultimately, it goes back to the, hey, this team did not, in my opinion, take preseason super seriously. So I think you started to see some things come together, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, on, on defense, you know, when you talk about the pass rush, yeah, you talk about Simmons, you talk about um, Autry, you talk about Landry. And they, they are do- putting up pressures they are getting there Simmons looks like a monster collapsing that that pocket to open things up for Autry which is what you want Autry to be able to do when he's in there Um, and I see the comment here I saw the, the the tweet about Dupree only having three pressures Dupree's also coming off of a torn ACL Taylor LeJuan coming off a torn ACL and he can't even get back in the game Dupree what he gives you right now, he's not going to be a hundred percent. You got to give the guy a little bit more time, a little bit more slack to get in there. He's still an effort guy. He's getting out there. Um, That's his thing. He's never been this. uh, He's not this elite um, pass pass rush move guy. He's an effort guy. And that's something. Yeah, exactly. That is something you can get by with. um, Cause it opens up things. If Simmons is what you think he is going to be. And, he has shown that he is. You talk about Simmons last year. He sort of started to trail off a little bit. Was it COVID? Was he completely healthy? So now you see him as he starts to get healthy. If Dupree can get healthy, I think you're going to see improvement
0: from that. Yeah. So again, the, the players I think are coming to play. And we touched on a little bit that the coordinators, we had some complaints about uh, Downing and, and, and Bowen coming from the first game and some some major complaints, just in some scheme things. But again, They've kind of been running it a little more on offense out of not not complete spread, but more spread. That that uh, that overtime was almost completely out of some version of spread. They still brought A.J. Brown in as that extra blocker on a lot of their plays, motioned him into the short side. Uh, those kinds of things, you'd like to maybe not do that so much to keep teams guessing, but they're trying to at least give Derrick Henry and his offensive line more space. So kudos to him for there. He, he is also trying to go with less deep shots and developing plays to give his offensive line. Well, you've got to find those wins. The screens that we talked about earlier, So, uh, Downing, I thought, had a good rebound game, uh, kept with it, had his balance, and was able to still run his game. It obviously worked. It's frustrating when it doesn't, and and when it's not working, that's when I want to see them maybe switch it up and have some different things in their back pocket. Obviously, you don't want the Titans to struggle because you're not going to see if that works again until they struggle again, and you don't want to wish for that. Uh, But Bowen, again, I I don't think it's been a horrible year. There's been blown coverages and blown assignments, and maybe he can can look to help and and realize where where some of his rookies are, some of his guys, not put him in bad situations. But overall, one of the big concerns was Vrabel not going out and finding an external hire for the defensive coordinator. But Bowen hasn't been – I mean, The defensive struggles have not been on him, in my opinion, or at least not fully on him. And he's been better, or at least his defense seems more competent than last year. So you think that maybe his learning on the job and maybe having the title solely to himself, potentially to to eliminate some of that confusion, is helping this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, and just looking at some stats here, you look at the the Titans' uh, run stop win rate, 34%. Their pass rush win rate is sitting right at 49%. You know where those stats rank? Right in the middle of the pack. And what did we say coming into this season? It says, if you're just average (laughs) with what this offense is expected to be, that is a team that can compete and win a Super Bowl. So I think that is something that we have to account for, that if you're expecting this team to be a top-five defense, you're not going from last to first in one season. That you have to build on that. But if you can get to that middle of the pack, make some impact plays, then that's where you can really start impacting the game. Now, the one place I would like to see them, especially this week, going up against a young quarterback is taking some more chances, mixing some things up on the back end to try and confuse some things and creating turnovers. They are negative three overall in creating in their turnover differential. That is not a recipe for success. They lost the turnover battle this past week and they still won the game, which is impressive. Exactly. It's impressive. They won that, but let's not make it harder than it needs to be. You got to preach ball security on offense and you got to start getting your hands on the ball when you're on defense. So I would like to see Bowen mix it up a little bit, throw some confusion that, uh, Uh, probably going to be jacob eason for the colts but i do think there's a lot of reason for optimism here and you can play more games on the back end when you have a corner that's playing like fulton is right now right
0: so those are the everything with the offense defense i know there was one other thing we were forgetting about from the game it was a hot topic oh Two big calls from the referees that would just lit the Titter Twitter, Titter. Twitter verse on fire. That's a, that's a whole <laughs> that's different a whole, podcast. That's a whole different podcast. Go, go check out Broadway late night for that one. Uh, Twitter verse on fire. And it was the Julio Jones reversed touchdown pass and the non called safety. I don't know how to, it wouldn't, you know, the ruling of the floor progress, we'll call it that. So let's, let's go over the Julio Jones one first. And before I get into this, before I ask you, I think it's a dumb rule because if Julio Jones simply taps both toes and then jumps out of bounds sideways, I am not sure if backwards matters, but if he just gets that contact, jumps out of bounds, it's a touchdown just with his toes. If he, his right foot hits and he drags that toe all the way through continuous, it's a touchdown with the toe drag. Those are touchdowns. This stupid rule is written up that when the toe initiates and the heel follows that the complete foot has to be in bounds. And from the angles I saw one little cleat, like I said, 1% of his foot came down on the line that I've seen the picture out there that shows the cleat. That foot is not fully down yet. He got it up pretty quick, but it did roll ever so slightly from, from that one angle over the line from what I could see. That's just my opinion on it. I, go, go at, go at me in the chat here, but that's, it's a dumb rule. But it is the rule. It was called correctly, unfortunately. And that's what we talk about in the past where we have some of these rules targeting in college. um, This rule, apparently some other ones. Targeting
1: is exactly where I was going to go. It's something that you sit there and how many times do you say, oh, I hate this rule. This is so bad. It's ruining the game. Don't necessarily disagree with that statement. It's still the rule. Right. right.
0: It's the rule. And you would like to see some sort of common sense at some point with targeting. What I mean by that is to still penalize it, maybe have levels of severity from from like, what was this one kid in this last game who launched himself at the quarterback from 20 feet? year <laughs> That's objective. <a> yes. <laughs> Those kinds of things. But but have have some common sense with this. And again, like uh, the other rule I was thinking of is like the surviving the, the, the ground after a catch. Come on. I mean, I get the purpose of the rule. And if you're going down, and the ball pops up. I get it. But if you're literally going down with the ball in your hand, you put it down, you, you land, and the ball just happens to move just a little bit, that that still has to be a completed pass to me. If you're showing two steps going to the ground for 90% of the time within your hand, you just place it down, it, whatever. My point is there is that I would love to see some common sense there to be able to say, well, 99.9% of his foot got inbounds. That should be a touchdown. But, again, that's the way the rule is written and that's what they followed. So, I mean, unfortunately they got it right as the rule is written.
1: Yeah. Let me also, let me just point out one thing here. I know we see photos on Twitter and Facebook that so, Oh, clearly his foot's down. If there is one thing we have learned over the past five years is that social media is just a, just a terrible place of misinformation. And I can make things lie as my camera disappears here. I just went black, completely black Uh, and I'm back. And so, uh, whenever you look at that, Anybody could post a still photo. It doesn't mean it was the accurate one or it was the entire play. So if for me, that play, I think don't like the rule. I think it was the correct call. The one play that for me was just absolutely unquestionably <laughs> egregious. Yes. Was the spot of on the third down towards the end of the game where Rabel doesn't even challenge it. And you're talking about this is half
0: yard short, full half
1: yard short. Now, I will also say, once again, on social media, the picture floating around, he's not actually down yet. So he
0: did end up being down short. He he was
1: definitely down well short. And the fact it wasn't even challenged to me, it was just completely a a, a complete whiff. Right. And so I think that one was a a major miss, both by the officials and for Vrabel. If you're going to challenge something, that is the most obvious challenge I have ever seen
0: imagine how beat up he would be today if the Seahawks had gone to the field and finished that drive out with a score of any kind? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's where that is. So, I, obviously, there we agree there. Let's talk real briefly before we go to the Colts about the safety just because that's been out there as well. They're non-safety. Look, I get it. Russell Wilson was spun into the end zone. It was a fantastic play. I'm not even going to attempt his name. Oh, Ollie. What, I, I'm not even going to attempt it. It's, it's, <laughs> I need to learn it if he's going to keep playing like that. But it, he, he was a great pressure on Wilson. Here's the thing. I believe forward progress is a judgment call, correct, for the refs? Correct. And one thing you cannot review is judgment calls.
1: I'm sorry. Forward progress is a judgment call unless you're asking Gary Danielson, who apparently has zero clue <laughs> what forward progress is. And I'm just going to go on a rant about how that man
0: is still employed and has a job. That's fair enough. But, but again, it's forward progress. Don't cut progress, me off. Forward progress. <laughs> so my point there is, is that he was he, the contact initiated ever so slightly in the field. And even when he was in the grasp in the end zone, when the ball might have been in the end zone, he spun around at some point in time with the ball out, and he was dragged back. And that unfortunately is forward progress out to the half yard line. I think the refs got it right, I th- and I think there was no review because there's nothing to review there in that situation. I know the angles; maybe we didn't have the proper angles, but based on where his foot was, where his body lean was, that ball was out. And the intentional grounding—I'm—I don't know if it would have been intentional grounding because there was a receiver right there that Russell Wilson shot it over his head, and I think he was—I think that again, it's a judgment call on the tackle box. He was close enough to where the referees probably said he was out of the court. Yeah, to the, the tackle problem box.
1: though with intentional grounding is what, what is the penalty on intentional grounding? It's a spot foul. They give him the where the sack is at and it's a loss of down. So it's the exact same result. So the fact whether if they're saying that he was out of the end zone, right? If they're or, saying if he's yeah, out of the end zone, correct. Exactly. That's so right, so. Right. and there would have been zero difference there, other than just the gratification of them throwing a flag on it.
0: I would have loved for the game to end on a safety. That would have been. I would have gone nuts. It would have been fantastic. I mean, the the, the Titans players, I think the defense deserved it at that point in time. You know, the, the Titans won the game, but I don't think the referees did anything to screw the Titans there because it just again, if you go look, there was a, I saw a Facebook breakdown of it today that kind of captured my thoughts on it where they actually slowed it down and showed this is where he was contacted in the field. He went back in still contact. So I'm not sure when they actually blew the play dead because I couldn't hear that. And again, you can't really say with the whistle blows. Sure. It could be at a certain point, but they're calling it when they, when they meant to call it. And immediately that white hat comes in and he is pointing at the half yard line. He is telling the other referee, the line judge coming in saying, no, it's here. It's here. And they're communicating. So yes, this is what I saw. So they there was no hesitation from them to call the safety. Yeah, let me let me just point out one thing before we move on, because we need to
1: move on. Yeah. But if you want to see Titans fans get really mad, they should consider themselves a little bit lucky because. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons removed his helmet the yeah. field of play. and the coach, <laughs> the coach in me immediately looks at that and sees, Oh no, you can't do stupid stuff like that. And I get it. He thought it was ended on a safety. So either the refs gave him a little bit of a break because of the situation, but could you imagine if the refs both called him down personal and in the grass, but then hit him with the personal foul for removing oh. your helmet in the field of play. So that was the thing yeah. that jumped out to me more than anything. And so that's one, if you're a Titans fan, you just go, you know what? We're good.
0: I got you. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you there. And I, I saw that. I forgot about it until you just brought it up, because I think I was like, nothing to see here. So, but that but that's our thoughts on the game. I think it was a good rebound game for the Titans, obviously. But now they're moving on to their first divisional opponent in the FC South, the Colts. It is the Colts week. It's F the Colts week. It's Colts hate week. Uh, time to give Ben some, some crap in the Broadway chats, uh, all that good stuff. But again, leading into this, you, you look at it, and in my experience watching the Titans, regardless of who has the better team, this is always a team that seems to have given the Titans fits, even when they're not supposed to. And I know that the quarterback situation is vastly different, especially if Wentz isn't playing. It's probably vastly different if he is playing. But it's it's still one of those teams that brings a defense with them when they're playing. It still has a run game. They have a two-headed monster. There's a lot of things to still consider there from the Colts. Plus, they don't really like the Titans much either. They know that they still think that they're south Competitors, and this is their biggest—that's in their mind. This is the one they have to win for them. So, obviously, you stole a player from them as well as is pointed out here in the chat. So, what are your keys to victory for the Titans over the Colts this week? I think ultimately, we talked about it a little bit. If Jacob Eason is the quarterback,
1: and this kind of goes back to what what Kenneth was talking about early on, is that this is a team that has a history of playing down to an opponent and playing up to an opponent, right? If you want to be a Super Bowl contender, how many times did we say it last year in the big games, in the Steelers game where they everything was built up? Other than the Bills game where they rolled out and took care of business, this was a team that did not really show up for those games. You could even say they were mercurial. And so I quit. Yeah, I'm undefeated, <laughs> undefeated. I'm working that word in. So. For me, like four I th- for four, <laughs> yeah. Lord. I-, I think that this is a situation where uh, the Titans have an opportunity to truly make a statement. You had the Cardinals game; you thought that was going to be a statement game. Looks like the Cardinals are actually pretty good, okay? Um, and they ca- they kind of probably read a little bit too much of their pr- press clippings, and plus, Week One is a liar, I think, as the saying goes. So, this is the game division opponent that I would say you have a chance to put your opponent behind the eight ball to really bury them early, early on in the season. This is a game where going against Jacob Eason, this is a team that has not run the ball extremely well. Their defense has not performed up to what that team had expected. Their offensive line has not performed. I think I read they had the fourth most expensive uh, line in the NFL they have their best player on that offensive line is still on a rookie contract and they are definitely not performing like it. They played terribly. And now you have a very young quarterback out there. So there really are no excuses. I think on defense, you're going to have to get out there. You're going to play a few more games with them, probably with some zone blitzes. You can manufacture some pressure on Eason. Cause I don't think he's the type of quarterback at this point. That's going to make you pay for it a ton, but he will take chances. So I do think you probably see the Titans come in here with a little bit. It's going to make some people unhappy a little bit more similar of a game plan to what you saw last year with keeping everything in front of you. Because, Eason, you, young quarterbacks are dumb enough just to throw it up. They, they want to throw the deep ball. He's got a big arm. Don't let him get those easy wins over the top. Right. Make those young quarterbacks take those check make downs. Make them work it down the field. And you can adjust, right? You can adjust in the game if he is actually proving you wrong. But I think that's what you got to do on defense. Put the game in Jacob Eason's hands and make him beat you.
0: Yeah, and I think that, to your point there, I think that you have to also focus on the running backs they have, uh, Taylor and, and Hines, and get them stopped as well. Because if you stop that running game and Easton has to do it himself, it's not going to be a good day for the Colts. So that's what you've got to look for there, is, and that's their most dynamic because the checkdowns to them, the explosive plays that can come after that, the run game, you got to stop all that because if Eason is their quarterback, I I don't like their chances. So you've got to focus on, on making him one dimension, keep everything in front of you in the pass game, as you mentioned really focus on stopping that run i'm not saying sell to stop it but pay a little more attention to it because you don't want them because if they can get going the two running backs then that's an easier day for for and you don't want that you don't want to give him those, those running lanes to be able to then open up the passing lanes and then and that kind of turns into what the titans like to do to people when they're on offense so you've got to look for that as well now that colt's defense is pretty strong it has been um so you'd like to see the the Titans really have that that game, that plan of attack to go after them. Do what you do, be balanced. I know that it's not going to be a real exciting game, but that I think that there is the more that Julio Jones and, and Ryan Tannehill are getting comfortable in game time situations, you're still going to see some of those shots you saw in the game take their chances when they can. Pass protection getting better as well. I just think you have to have a balanced game. Not play safe as in, you know dumb it down or anything like that. But I don't, I I think that you would in this type of game, you will try to control it more and and really give your defense the adequate rest to go after the Colts like they can.
1: Yeah. I think for, uh, and I see the comment again from Kenneth here, don't let the Colts running backs kill you. Those those check downs, you got to be able to take them away. Everybody remembers the Naheem Hines game last year where he just took over that game. You can't give them those easy things. Now, I will also say Philip Rivers is always going to have you in the right play. He's going to take advantage of you every single time. Um, So I think there's a definite difference between Philip Rivers and even if Carson Wentz was playing, what kind kind of quarterback is going to be back there. But I think you got to take away those easy things and you got to take away the deep ball. If he can beat you, you know, attacking the middle of the field and those outside throws, then He probably shouldn't have been the backup quarterback, right? Right. And so I think he got to take away the easy stuff, take away the running game and, you know, give your guys a chance to make plays. And I see that, you know, Danico Autry revenge week. I think this is an opportunity for him to have a big game against that offensive line. I think everybody's going to be excited about seeing Simmons on Quentin Nelson. I'm excited to see that. Uh, But at the same time, Simmons could just be a space eater hero. saw it a couple times against the Seattle game where Simmons was able to take up two blockers and free up somebody else. It, it, that's what you want out of the big man like that, right? Free mm-hmm. up two, and that opens up one-on-one matchups everywhere else. So I think for that, you just play games with it. Take away the easy stuff and, and, and attack Eason by making him be patient.
0: Yeah. Also, I'm not. I haven't really checked back up on it on the uh, the status of Jan Brown, but getting him back would be a big win as well, especially in a, in, a, in a game where you're trying to limit the the looks at tight ends and the looks at those running backs in the flats. I think that's a big piece of this offense that they could have back because he's a dynamic linebacker. That that's what he does. He, he's he's pretty good on defense, but he's also pretty good in coverage from the linebacker, especially against tight ends. So I think that having him back. Plus, I'm real curious what his defense looks like rotational-wise, with a healthy David Long and a healthy Jalen Brown.
1: Yeah, I mean, and ultimately, what do the coaches do, right? Because you have Rashawn Evans there, who I don't think has played terrible this this season.
0: I think Super Horn's going to come for you That's fine. sleep.
1: That's fine. He can. Um, I don't think he's played terribly. He had a couple of nice run-throughs against Seattle. right? But I do think this could be a game where, you, where Rashawn Evans could have some big plays because they are going to be so devoted to the run game. That's the one area that this defense has not really been tested yet. That's not, you kind of thought Seattle may go to it, but because they scored so quickly, they didn't really have to stick with the run. But a team that's truly going to commit to the run and run it right at the Titans, how is this defense going to hold up to that? I think they're going to be all right but they haven't shown it yet. Right. And so that's something that I expect some team in this one, just because uh, out of necessity, I don't think that's who the Colts want to be, but with a young quarterback in there, I think they are going to try and get Jonathan Taylor and uh, Naeem Hines involved. I think they're going to try and just pound the rock and protect their quarterback. So can you take that away? Can you actually hold up against a defense or an offense that is truly committed to attacking you through the run?
0: yeah and as far I think we touched on it offensively as well just to wrap up here in the Colts before we get to our predictions uh any offensive adjustments for the Colts uh, just for me I want to see them go like we've stated before more to the quick game to help out the offensive line also for the run game to run a little bit more out of the spread sets not pack everything in not bring everybody to the party get those run lanes nice and easy to see for the offensive linemen to react to also give Derek Henry a lot more space you saw some of that in this game and he was able to get on those edges so a lot of that as well so um question here for you before we move on do you Do we see Monty Rice filtered in?
1: I, I don't think so. Um, I think especially if Jayon Brown is back, who you'd like to have in there, he is a guy that I think yeah, you'd like to see something out of this season. But if nobody is getting hurt with the performance you're getting out of David Long, I'm not sure how much you're going to see Monty Rice. He had a solid preseason, but it's one of those things with a couple of these rookies that they brought in. If you don't need them, are you going to force them into that situation if they're not ready? Um, and that, Who knows with Monty Rice if he actually is ready or not. He may be one of those guys. This is a team that seems hell-bent on putting David long on the field until they absolutely have to. And he performs when he does. So um, I, I don't expect to see Monty rice um, at least in this game. I think that's more of a later in the season or if an injury occurs.
0: Yeah, I agree. So that's everything I have for, as far as adjustments, I got,
1: I got offensive adjustments, I got offensive adjustments.
0: I was going to say that's everything I had. I've given my thoughts on offensive adjustments, Jonathan. I know that you may have some thoughts as well.
1: Let me. I don't have anything actually. Thank you. <laughs> you covered it all. Uh, no, I think the one thing I would like to see them do—it's uh, not very often that AJ Brown has a game like he did last week. I would like to see them, even if it's some short things, just get the ball in his hands, go back to him. Get that the, confidence. The, the, the problem is, whenever you have another option like Julio Jones, you don't have to immediately go back to your number one wide receiver after he drops a ball because then you can just throw to your surefire Hall of Famer on the other side. Um, in this situation, though, you're going to need AJ, whether it's in this game or at some point. Um, I don't think he's the guy that's going to get upset that he's not catching the ball mm-hmm. uh, or not getting the opportunities, but you're going to need him. I'd like to see some, some short games and quick game, even if it's some wide receiver screens, just to get him involved and get him some quick catches just to get that confidence back yep. up.
0: And Kenneth, I I promise you we didn't leave you out. What you were saying earlier about the Titans having to actually perform against teams they're favored against. It's a very good point. This is a game that they're going to, I think that they're going to be favored in, especially if Eason's playing. So you've got to come out and you can't lay an egg against the Colts here for a lot of different reasons. So they have to show it. So this is one of those situations where you have something built on it. Don't fall backwards now. I, I promise you, if the six games from now and the Titans are doing what they're supposed to be doing and they've run off six in a row, nobody's going to be talking about that Arizona game. They're going to look at it as a fluke. So you have to build on that. and it starts with the next game. So for the Colts, that's definitely what they're going to be looking for. So that was a good point earlier. Just wanted to touch on it and bring it back up again because this team, the way that they're built, and as good as we think that they are, they can't falter. They can't beat all the teams that they're not supposed to beat and then falter against the teams they're not supposed to beat because they're one of the top teams in the NFL. That's a lot more losses than there are wins. So you've got to start showing this dominance against the, the lower ranks or, the, or at least the ones you're favored to be able to get out on top and, and to give that confidence for the fan base to keep coming out and watching you at home.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at how – you talk about the 12th man in Seattle and how beneficial it is to that, te- to that team. You want that same sort of excitement in Nashville. You've got to be able to be a team that's going to show up. Even if you're going to lose, you were right. competitive from the start to finish. You gave them a good shot, right? Right. And so that's not what you saw against Arizona. I think you probably recaptured some of that excitement by by the win against Seattle this past weekend. But you got to show up this week. Um, and losing to a backup quarterback against a division rival when you have a chance to really put – you know, bury them in the division early on in the season, that would be very uh, disheartening to fans. So I think this is a huge game for the Titans to come out here and make a Mm -hmm. statement. Um, do, Do you, are you sending a statement around the league by beating the Colts? No. Are you sending a statement around the league? If you lose to the Colts, probably and, that, and it's going to be uh, yeah. very easy for fans to fall into into the same old Titans.
0: Plus, it's more of a statement for your clubhouse, too. I mean, you, sure. don't, you don't want to have that kind of leg. So.
1: One, one thing I have to address before we get to predictions, calm down, Producer Patrick, is you know, I, I said apparently a very controversial statement on Twitter about it was a little surprising that the Titans released their starting safety last week. <laughs> it's not that I disagreed with the move. I just thought it was a little surprising from the team that trotted out Jonathan Joseph for half a season last year whenever he was having a ton of bad games. Of Jonathan Joseph. I, I'm fine fine. I'm fine with the move. I don't disagree with it. I understand the move. In fact, I kind of like the move and the ability to move
0: on just was a little surprised you by can it. You could be surprised and still like something. I exactly. mean, surprise birthday oh parties gosh. are great. Just, surprise. Just,
1: yeah. I yeah mean, never mind. You would have thought I was talking <laughs> politics or something without controversial. Let's just to say it was a bit surprising was the exact statement. But I do think there is something to be said. You know, Dane Crookshank did perform um, well in his role. Now, he did not necessarily come in and immediately replace Bradley McDougal. It was a situation where the Titans were playing a lot of three safety looks by bringing in Crookshank and a dime package to be able to match up with some of the spread looks that the Seahawks were giving them. So I do think Crickshank is, um, is probably your guy to come in and be that free safety, at least until Hooker gets back. But I, I don't want to sit here and say, like, oh, my gosh, this was such an easy call because a guy had a bad game. Okay, well, I guess they better cut Taylor LeWan. He had a bad game. A.J. Brown dropped a couple balls. They better cut him. Ain't got no room for that. Now, it's different because those are your stars. There's a difference, but yeah. Let's not act like it is – that asinine to say, hey, I'm surprised they cut a guy for having one bad game when you're literally in that game saying this backup is our best option to start. Generally, there's some sort of demotion. Then maybe cut them if they're if they're not a, a contributor elsewhere. Again, fine with the move. Just was a bit surprised Me. about it. Thank you, Titans Film Room, for defending my honor.
0: Made it all the way to MCA. Good, good job. The you're my knight in shining armor. So let's move on real quick then to your prediction for the game
1: prediction for the game i think the titans win this by by about two scores i think it's going to be something like uh we'll go 31 to 20
0: i was at 33 17 for the titans i called this game uh, if this is again what they're supposed to do they're going to go out there and this is going to be i think that this is also a, a defensive touchdown for the titans in some way mixed in here as well because uh, i think the titans are going to be able to get out and, and hopefully run this game into the ground i hope anyway or at least keep the ball moving so i think it's 33 to 17 um I picked them. This is a win before the season, so I'm kind of just following my pattern. I I, I was wrong about Arizona. I was wrong about Seattle. But at the end of these three games, hopefully, I'll, I'll still be two and one with a with a win for the Titans over the Colts. I like it. We need to get producer Patton on this on this uh, prediction train as well. So now
1: that producer Pat is a staunch Titans supporter. So I think this may be like a four score, uh, four score prediction. You want to throw it up on the screen here, Patrick? Well, what what is your uh, what is your prediction here?
0: I'm expecting 55 to 12,
1: 59, nothing in the snow. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, while he's he's thinking about that, I mean, but that, that's, that's our show for tonight. Thank y'all for sticking with us. We're obviously, I know we said we were going to be live every week. We're going to still be live every week. Bring this to you. We're going to have some things coming out to you, some merchandise for the show as well. Uh, keep joining us. Keep joining in on the chat. We really like all this stuff. So Patrick's uh, producer passes 55, nothing Titans. Uh, I will buy you a special beer. If that happens, sir, if you called it there so but but stick with us we, we enjoy doing this we're actually gonna try to start bringing some things where maybe we start diagramming some plays live on the show see if we can get that worked into the technology so we can start going over some stuff uh from the previous game look at some of those things but we'll catch us next week again tuesday at 8 p.m we'll be right here to talk through what just happened in the game we'll try to get our podcast posted as well for you to listen if you couldn't watch in and this will be available on youtube so check us out on, on multiple levels of, of, of media there for you lots to consume there. but in closing this has been the Coach's corner front of broadway sports network 440 sports remember check out all of our other podcast articles and video breakdowns that broadway sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com check out all of our merch at broadway, Sports Media.com. I think they, there's still maybe a flex 15 out there if not get you some of those soft shirts they're great they're they're fun to have 15% off at, at broad, shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com flex 15 these shirts I, I promise you you're gonna love them your girlfriend your wife your whoever's in your life is going to steal them from you to sleep and they're that comfortable so go out there and get them. But until next time, we out. See you. A Broadway Sports Media Production.